You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Friday, April 16th. As always, I'm your host with sometimes, occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You might be familiar with some of my baseball-related work at places like Baseball, FYI, Fires on Base, or more recently, Off the Bench Baseball. Or maybe my more pop culture entertainment side of things of what you might be familiar with at places like Nerdist, Mental Floss, Inverse, Bloody Disgusting, and many more, and hopefully many more to come of this year Lockdown Padres podcast, though. You can check out and follow the Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres, or my personal account, which is at Javapeno, and that's spelled J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. And if you feel so inclined, please hit me up on there with any questions, comments, or concerns that you might have, and I'll do my very best to answer them and maybe even answer them right here on the show. Pretty neat, if I do say so myself, guys. Today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of our many locked-on rooms on there. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. I just did one of those for yesterday's game, which you're going to be talking about now. We're going to be talking about yesterday's game, just doing a quick recap, and then also, I need to get something off my chest, and that's something about Manny Machado that really pisses me off. So we're going to talk about that a little bit, and then conclude the show with a little Dodgers preview, because we are going to, uh, we're not going to Dodgerland, but Dodgerland is coming to us. Big weekend series for sure, guys, but let's start off with talking about yesterday's game, just my quick thoughts on that. The Padres won by a score of 8-3. to three to split the series against the Pirates. Um, The biggest thing in this game that I want to talk about first is Chris Paddock, who I thought once again looked okay. He goes five innings in this one, allowing one run on five hits, walking two, striking out four. That was 99 pitches that he took for those five innings, and I thought he was once again fine. I actually thought that this was, he kind of looked as effective as he's looked so far in the past bunch of starts that he's had uh, for the whole season. So that's what's really funny is you look at just all of his starts this season, nothing that's really blown you off the, the roof, obviously, but he's not getting lit up and giving up a, too many runs, at least. First start against Arizona, he goes four innings, gives up two earned runs. Start against Texas, he goes four innings, gives up three earned runs, and then, like I just said, one earned run in this case. So was a nice, I guess, little bounce back, but not a lot of strikeout stuff so far. Only a total of eight strikeouts against three starts, which is not good so far. Um, Changeup still looks fine. I like that there is a little bit more curveball usage in this one. After three starts, I can say that Chris Paddock isn't on the panic watch, meaning I don't think people should be hitting the panic button on him, but I think we should start to look at this and start officially starting to wonder, is this guy's upside just a decent reliever, or is it just a decent fifth starter? If so, hey, this is still a team that's super deep, you know, and I don't want to start, you know, I, I just said reliever before. I don't want to hit the panic button that that's, that that's his apex, actually, and that he should be moved to the bullpen. I don't necessarily think that. I still think he is developing, and he is very young, so you do have to give him some time. But after three starts, I did say, guys, I like giving pitchers three starts, so I think it's fair for me to at least cast some sort of judgment, which is... He he bends a little bit, but doesn't quite break, which I think is okay. Remember, guys, this is a fifth starter on the team. Fourth or fifth starter on the team, especially when Lamette comes back. So, you know, if this is what we're going to get from him and he's going to be the guy that allegedly our great bullpen can kind of, you know, 
back up once he goes those five or six innings or whatever. He's only gone five innings uh, a max this year so far, as I alluded to before. But, you know, if the bullpen's good, then I'm okay with this. I'm okay with a guy that's not going to wipe people off the face of the earth, but who's just going to be solid. I actually thought that he did locate the pitches very well, especially the lower right right side of the plate. I thought he was really nailing with some of these uh, Pirates hitters. But again, it is the Pirates, so it's a little bit hard to judge fully. Thankfully, we won't have to see him against the Dodgers. I think that would be a tough matchup for him. He'll be going up against Milwaukee next week. That'll be where he'll be making his next start. I'm looking forward to that start. Paddock's just, just weird. I can't quite understand what's going on with him. I'm hoping that he adds and mixes up more pitches because otherwise doesn't look like that ace quality stuff that we saw from the first year is necessarily something we should expect going forward. But in terms of just what it means for the team, aside from Paddock in a vacuum, what it means for the team is that if he can just keep delivering these kind of performances and not completely imploding, ah, hey, on this Padres team, I think I'll take that. And speaking of the rest of the Padres team, guys, um, really cool stuff coming from the offense. Obviously, they scored eight runs. Trent Grisham goes two for five in this one. His season average is 333 on the year. He strikes out twice, but he does get a little stolen base. He hits one, a, a, a single to start off the game, then he steals the base, and then Jerickson Profar brings him in. Profar going two for four on the day. Cronenworth, I mean... Just unbelievable. Two walks from him, two hits for him, going two for two with uh, two doubles. I mean, Jake Cronenworth is just becoming one of those guys that's just, the guy can just hit at the most fundamental level. Who can just get you a hit? Not a home run, not a double, not someone who can speed down the baseline or anything like that, but just a fundamentally just sound hitter. Still, his whiff rate is amongst the best in the league uh, in the 100 percentile. That's right. When he swings, he is not missing that ball. So that's really great to see uh, from Jake Cronenworth. And he also added a steal uh, in this game, which is very nice, even though he's not the fastest guy in the world. And Manny Machado, he goes one for three on the day with three RBIs, including a home run that's right may machado who allegedly was off to a slow start which i actually don't i think he's off to a slow start by his standards but in general still walking a lot he still looks good hosmer going two for five uh in this game with two rbis including a double Hasam Kim, unfortunately, going 0 for 5 in this one uh, with a strikeout. He didn't really make much of it. I like to see that that double from Tukapita Marcano, who has shown that I, he slaps the ball the other way on a pitch, and I like that because it showed that he... What I think we're respecting from him is just being a bench player that has solid just contact skills. That's kind of what the expectation seems to be for him, so I like to see that. And Campizano, last person I'm going to mention, very, very clearly a guy who seems a little bit overwhelmed right now. One with just the Snell start which seemed like a disaster. Seems like they weren't on the same page, the two of them. And, you know, I think this is a good example of prospects. I, I like talking about on the show a lot where I just don't like product prospect fetishization that goes on where everybody gets way too excited about the number 55 prospect in Major League Baseball. Oh, he's getting called up. Here we go. Here's the next star. When you really don't know. Yeah, you can be excited about the, the number one prospects on your team, but sometimes you just have to Keep a cap on the hype a little bit. Don't let it fully unleash. And in this case with Campizano, he's never he really hasn't played that much above A ball. So expecting him to come in and just explode, especially for catchers. And if, I often find that catchers are the position in baseball that it's weird trying to project catchers as prospects. At least that's just me. Um, I could be wrong on that. You'd have to speak to to Aram Layton of Locked On Marlins, I guess, for a more in-depth and much more educated opinion on prospects than my own. But uh, yeah, Campizano is a little bit behind. And it's okay because we still have Caratini uh, as the backup for when eventually, hopefully, Austin Nolo returns, which should be happening soon. Um, So I'm not worried about that. Remember, guys, do not use this sample size, though, to just be out on Campizano. 
Huge, huge mistake if you're doing that. Maybe it'll take him a couple more years. I don't know. But bottom line is right now, just looks a little bit lost up there at the plate. He's batting 91 on the season. So that kind of uh, illustrates it pretty well. So yeah, guys, that's basically all my thoughts from that game. Unfortunate series split. I know we would have liked to get a, you know, a sweep or just even win the majority of the games of the series, but hey, this is going to happen throughout baseball sometimes, and the Padres are still 9-5, and five, which is a fine, fine record, and we're getting Fernando Tatis Jr. tonight, which is pretty, pretty cool, pretty, pretty, pretty cool. But before, guys, we talk about uh, the next topic that I want to talk about with Mr. Manny Machado, who pissing me off so much, I need to talk to you about 1010. No, not the character from Naruto, my beloved anime Naruto, but instead it is a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced, limited edition designs at fair price points. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Rings sure to bring joy into that special someone uh, in your life. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring, ideal for engagement, Mother's Day, or simply a beautiful conversation piece. I don't know. They're the perfect way to bring light into that special someone's life. They're available now through Mother's Day only on BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10 by 10 This collection features high-quality, fine jewelry that will surprise and delight and fairly priced so you can give that person something special and truly meaningful. I checked them out, and they looked really beautiful. I don't know what to say. Really kind of simple rig from uh, one person, Laura Finehurst, who it was It was really nice. The symbolism is cool. She's also a black designer, which is really nice. Nice to support people like that. Uh, it's it's really cute. I, I liked it. I, I'm not, look, I'm not going to get all my, you know, my, you know, I'm a little bit of a teddy bear. I don't know if you guys know this, but it's, it's really cute. So I really liked it. Uh, so if you're on the hunt for the perfect, unique ring that your special someone will treasure forever, you're definitely going to want to check this out. They won't be around for long. So find them now by searching the words 10 by 10 only at BlueNile.com. All right, guys, before we talk about Manny Machado, get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Peter Bukowski, a legendary man. Legendary man. A a behemoth of a man, I might even say. So be sure to do that, guys. I listen to that podcast every day. And now let's talk about Manny Machado. I know you guys might be thinking, what the heck is he about to say about Manny? What is making him upset? Guys, it's obviously a bit. I'm not upset, Manny Machado. More specifically, I'm upset about the narrative surrounding him. And I was on a locker room with Jeff Snyder of Locked On Dodgers yesterday. I was in enemy enemy territory, guys, right? Uh, Locked On Dodgers territory. And, you know, someone made a comment like, oh, did Manny Machado run, run, uh, run to first base this time? And it's basically alluding to the whole, you know, Johnny Hustle comment that he made years ago. I just want to talk about this for a second because this has been – there's two narratives with Manny Machado. One, the Johnny Hustle narrative, which is something that he self-perpetuated for sure when he made that comment heading into free agency saying that he's no Johnny Hustle. And people, every network and a bunch of the talking heads and pundits started taking it and saying, oh, will this bring down his value and he doesn't hustle and this and that, right? And then there's the dirty player stuff. The latter of those two narratives at least seems somewhat fair. Because, you know, Jesus Aguilar in the World Series, you know, you have the thing with Dustin Pedroia, which I think gets a little, just a tiny bit exaggerated but all, by all the Red Sox fans out there acting like he, you know, Bushido Blade, uh, Super Mario stomped into Dustin Pedroia's um, 
uh, leg, but and it, it wasn't great. But I don't know. That wasn't like the worst thing I've ever seen. And then the Red Sox felt it, of course, that it was, it was their prerogative to then throw baseballs at him for the rest of eternity, including the day after when they had that Adam Jones incident when he was saying that there was the use of the N word all the time. And they thought, you know, Mr. Chris Sale, yeah, now I'm going to choose the day to hit Machado again. But anyway, not to get on my Red Sox corner too much <laughs> because I'm friends with Gabrielle Starr of Locked Up Red Sox, and she's really cool and a cool person. And I don't want to make her too upset, I guess. But anyway. Back to May Machado. So that narrative is at least somewhat fair, right? Even if it does get exaggerated by certain fan bases every now and then. The not hustle thing gets me annoyed because it reminds me, and I know you guys, will, you'll bring it up, my Yankees roots. It reminds me when, you know, I'm in high school and I'm falling off of baseball a little bit. So, you know, at this time, maybe... Maybe I was just my all the baseball I knew was literally just New York media. I'm hearing like, you know, Michael K on the radio after school. My mom puts it on, but I didn't really care. But I do remember there started to be this this whole thing for him about Robinson Cano not hustling. And he never hustles in every game. So you know what? Good riddance to him going to the Mariners and all that stuff, right? And what I didn't like was Robinson Cano played in like every single game. You know? So let's bring that back to Machado. Manny Machado, let me just tell you guys how many games he's played each season since 2015. In 2015 with the Orioles, he played all 162. In 2016 with the Orioles, he played 157. In 2017 with the Orioles, he played 156. In 2018, the combination of both his tenures in Baltimore and then when he was traded to the Dodgers, he played a combined total of 162 games. Then in 2019, his first season with your San Diego Padres, he played 156 games. And then last year, 2020, he played all 60. All 60. Remember, keep that in mind because it was a shortened season. Here's my issue. It's this idea that you're not trying because you're not running out every ball the first base. Ladies and gentlemen, we have seen that our beloved Fernando Tatis Jr. plays hard as heck, right? Guess who's been injured more? It's Fernando Tatis Jr. I'm not, and by the way, actually, I also think, by the way, it's an extreme exaggeration for everybody to assume that Tatis is injury prone now. I think that's ridiculous. I don't like this not hustle thing because it often gets assigned to certain people. In baseball, yes, everyone can use your imagination to what I am alluding to, but it's just this idea that like, oh, he better run out that ball the first. If you were to tell me that May Machado can beat out, let's say, eight errant throws maybe a year, maybe, if he if he ran a little bit harder, right? Okay, cool. So what is that? A guy on first? Cool. But what about just being available? And you see all these guys that hustle and go balls to the wall all the time that they end up getting hurt. So you know what? Manny Machado, well, I think his comment was taken the wrong way. I don't necessarily think it was a great comment to make. I don't think you should be saying, hey, I'm no Johnny Hustle or whatever. I think that that's maybe not the right language. I, You know, Blake Snell, who I've talked about before, I think his language when he was talking about not wanting to play for less was a little bit uh, insensitive, especially around the time he said it. But in terms of just the language, yeah, I don't agree with it, but... I just don't like this idea that May Machado is just just some some couch potato guy who never tries hard. It's like, well, he's in every game. He's always there. I would much rather take a guy who's always going to have his bat in the lineup, always going to be pretty great gold glove caliber defender, even if there are occasionally some balls that I feel like go past him. I'd rather him just be on the team and available, 
You know, you know how often it feels like we have all these superstar players in baseball that we're just begging to stay healthy and all this stuff. I just alluded to Troy Tulowitzki uh, on a podcast a few days ago when it came to Tatis and everybody's, oh, this guy's Troy Tulowitzki now. It's like, no, I don't think that's the case. But also, yeah, part of it might have been maybe ease up a little bit. It's a long season. That does not mean that he's not playing hard. That just means that he knows anything can happen, so God forbid, let me just kind of manage myself. It's a self-management way of playing, if that really is what he's doing. So this narrative needs to die, and it's actually starting to piss me off a bunch. I understand the dirty player thing, because at least that's something he's got to shake, and I think he's been doing a decent job at shaking that lately. I really do. I think last year, his first year in San Diego, I think that he's, he's been really good at that. But in fairness, there is some history there. You know, even as far back as when he threw his helmet towards uh, Josh Donaldson after getting tagged or whatever. Like, it's just this this guy who seemed to be a personality problem almost. But I just don't see it that way. I see it as a guy who is out there and he's available. Guess what? You're not going to run out of ball at first base because, you know, I mean, guys, you know how many times you see guys that just get hurt running to first base? We saw Will Myers the other day get hurt because of uh, running to catch a ball in the outfield. You know? So God forbid we have a guy on the team who isn't running out every single ground ball in existence. Not to mention, you're trying to tell me that he's the only one that doesn't do that? He's the only player in baseball that doesn't just have a moment where he's like, ah, damn it, and doesn't like run out a very routine ball. Not some ball that gets smoked to the left side of the infield and a guy has to make a dive and catch. I'm talking like a routine ground ball. Let's be real about this, guys. He's always available, and I think that that's why it's a completely ridiculous narrative. If he wasn't running hard and all the time and he barely plays any games and all this stuff, that'd be one thing. But he's always available, and that's why Machado's awesome, and that's why I'll take that over the routine ground ball. So give me a break with that. It is an old, antiquated way of thinking about baseball from predominantly, in my opinion, very old and white kind of commentators and prognosticators in baseball. So yeah. With that kind of mini rant out of the way, guys, we're going to now transition into talking about this Dodgers series uh, that is starting, well, today. Really exciting stuff. But before we talk about that Dodgers series, just preview it a little bit. The storm is indeed coming, ladies and gentlemen. Let me talk to you about something real, real yummy. You might want to have these while you uh, watch the game. This Friday. Maybe you'll want a nice little snack. Of course, guys, I'm talking about um, 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 the Built Bars, guys. And what I love about them most is their variety of flavors. Coconut Brownie Chunk won it all in the Built Bar Championship bracket last month. But they've got everything, man. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, banana bread, peanut butter, carrot cake, chocolate, toffee almond, coconut, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cherry chocolate, birthday cake. They have everything, guys. I'm running out of breath just trying to fit in all of the flavors. And they're covered 100% chocolate and soft and easy to chew. And most importantly, they're great for the health-conscious sort of guy or gal. Thanks to high fiber, high protein, low sugar, and a low amount of calories, they're really great for the keto diet. So go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Remember, that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. And then, guys, let's transition to another thing. Uh, bet online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Maybe you're going to be betting on tonight's game. Maybe you're not. You're going to want to bet on a different sport tonight because basketball, the NHL, they're in full swing as well as baseball, and they even cover awards, TV shows, and reality TV at BetOnline with real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it is free. 
to sign up. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Remember to use the promo code LOCKED ON when you do so. Ben Online, your online sportsbook experts. And then last thing, guys, I know, a lot of ads today. I know, I know. You're hearing my voice a whole lot. But I got to talk to you about Locked On Fantasy Baseball. Be a waiver wire winner with the Locked On Fantasy Baseball podcast. It's a daily fantasy baseball podcast hosted by veteran fantasy analyst Scott Cullen, who uses data and nearly two decades of fantasy baseball experience to offer the strategies and waiver wire pickups that lead to league wins. Follow Locked On Fantasy Baseball on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Fun development in the Locked On Network. Uh, we had this fantasy baseball league organized by yours truly, and it's a cursed league. I, let's just say I've made some mistakes at a commissioner with the league format that we had to restart and do all this stuff. But uh, Sean Woodley, who hosts uh, Locked On Raptors of the NBA channel, uh, he just made a trade for his beloved um, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He gave up Matt Olson and Dylan Bundy for him. So was it an overpay? I don't know. Yeah, I guess you gotta have to, you're going to have to tune into Scott Cullen's podcast to get more of a, an opinion on that. But guys, now let me talk quickly about this Dodgers series. Today's game, Ryan Weathers is going to start things off, which I guess is kind of the, the, the starter that we didn't want to see. I guess <laughs> in the first game against the Dodgers, we probably would have preferred Darvish. But of course, with the injury to Adrian Morajon and just how things have shaken them shaken up with the schedule, that is not the case. But still, that doesn't mean that the Padres can't win this game. But for this game, I'm just straight up, guys. And please do not send me hate mail for this. It's Walker Bueller versus Ryan Weathers. The thing that I care about the most, I would argue, I don't even care if the Padres lose tonight. I just, I arguably, I can handle losing this series. I know. You might have just tuned out from the podcast from hearing me say that. Fake Padres fan. What the heck is wrong with you? You're whack. Whatever it is. I get I get the insults. I get it. I can take them. But really what it is is I just want to see Tati swing that bat, him field that ball, and not look like his shoulder is going to fall apart. That's all I care about for tonight. I'm being so serious. This is a long-term type of thing. We are caring about our superstar on this team. And of course, as I've talked about many, many times ad nauseum, almost excruciatingly so, about how much, how cagey the Padres can be with injuries and how weird they can be. It's a little bit hard for me to believe that something with a shoulder, something that happened when he swung a bat, that there's no way that he can risk further damage, uh, further long-term damage. To me, I'm wondering, is this a ticking time bomb sort of thing? Where it's just at some point it's going to happen he's going to need a surgery? I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm hoping that he's okay, but really that's what I care about for tonight's game the most, seeing him back. And we're in San Diego, so I imagine it's going to be really uh, heartwarming, really give, give us the chills when I imagine the San Diego crowd will give him a big standing ovation um, for what he's expected to be reactivated today. Um, if he for some reason isn't, then my bad. Uh, but... That's all I care about for tonight's game. And we're going up against Walker Buehler, so that's going to be a tough matchup. And I'd love to beat the Dodgers, but let me tell you, the thing I care about most is Tatis. Um, but then, aside from this first game, I'm really excited for the second game and third games in this series because we got some real good matchups, including Saturday's game, which feels just like a fight night UFC-style matchup between the Padres and Dodgers. It is the game that I, for sure, am looking forward to the most out of all three of these in the series. And that's Clayton Kershaw versus you. 
Darvish. I mean, come on, guys. Kershaw on the year, uh, 2.89 ERA with 16 Ks, only one walk. Darvish on the year, 3.06 ERA with 19 Ks to three walks. Both of them not invincible by any chance, uh, especially Kershaw, not in the peak of his powers anymore. But still, that's going to be so, so, so much fun to watch. I can't wait for that game. Um, Definitely one of the better pitching matchups. And then the next day on Sunday's game, which is, for me, a more afternoon game, which is cool. means that I get to uh, uh, see the entire game without getting sleepy or anything like that. Uh, It is Trevor Bauer versus uh, Blake Snell. Um, which is definitely looking like the lesser of those two that I just mentioned, just because Snell, especially after that that start where he only went one inning, was really bad and inflated his ERA a bit a little bit to 4.35. Bauer on the year is 2.7 ERA with 29 Ks to five walks, a WHIP of 0.6. So he's been very good. I know, super controversial. I don't want to talk about him uh, anymore. Uh, I'm curious to see him and Manny Machado, and just want to say uh, when it comes to unwritten rule stuff. Good example, if Manny Machado hits like a home run off of him, Bauer actually strikes me as the guy that will like not take it personally. He'll just be like, hey, you got me. You know what I mean? If he wants to flip his bat or whatever, it's fine. But then if Bauer in a key situation strikes him out, he does the same thing. He does that weird McGregor walk thing that he does that I honestly don't like, but whatever. Um, maybe because I just don't like Conor McGregor. That's probably why. But, uh, you know, if he does that little strut, then that's also fair too. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, some people have actually asked me before, do we think that sparks are going to fly? Do you think there's going to be a brawl between the Padres and Dodgers? And I'm not totally sure. And I actually don't think it's going to come from... It, I actually think that Trent Grisham might accidentally instigate it because remember this is a guy who hit a home run against was I forgot if it was them last year if it was the Dodgers it might have been against the Rangers actually because I'm just gonna assume because the Rangers are the ones that we've had so much <laughs> weird history with lately but um, it might have been the Dodgers and he was the one that kind of like you know flexed or whatever at his own uh, dugout and they thought that it was at the other opposing team's dugout and people got mad at him and so we'll see if anything happens there all I'm hoping to see is super high octane competitiveness between these two teams and I'm hoping it's going to be exciting um, but number one I keep I'm going to say this again what I care about the most is seeing how Tatis looks because guys there is a universe where this dude and it could be off a hit I could see this guy hitting a, a double and then he, like, afterwards, you know, at the end of the inning, he expresses some discomfort in his shoulder, and then he has to be taken out of the game. And then it's announced the next day that he needs surgery. I'm not trying to put bad vibes in the air. Just going to knock on my table there real quick. But I'm just saying, there's a wide variety of outcomes here. So while he is coming back, it's definitely a hold-your-breath type of moment, and it's the thing that I'm watching the most with this series. And bottom line, I've said it before, screw the Dodgers. Uh, they're annoying. I love Jeff and all that. I got respect for those guys over at Lockdown Dodgers, of course. Um, there are some fans that I know of the Dodgers that are very cool and very nice, and I, I like the competitive fire that we both have that isn't in a nasty way. I don't like the type of people who are making fun of the Padres for getting swept by them last year because then I'm like, all right, congratulations. How about you guys don't get Bueller and Kershaw next time? That would be really cool. Uh, maybe we'll see if you guys are still talking as much shit, but those type of fans I don't like. And let's just be honest, just take another shot. Dodgers won in a... I'm not even talking about the Mickey Mouse season thing. You guys won, like, three years after people, like, really were caring about you the most. Let's just be honest, guys. You know what I mean? Like, let's just let's just be real. When you're breaking all those records, you were really big at Unstoppable Team. Corey Seager's, like, first year and all that. Let's just be honest. When more people were on a Dodgers bandwagon, you guys didn't really win. You won after the fact. Just saying. Bottom line, they won. Jeff would roast me for this if you heard it. I get it. 
But just a little thing for all you Padres homies that are listed says, you guys know what I mean by this. But anyway, guys, last thing, just want to mention uh, quickly for a programming note, probably going to be talking, I haven't asked them yet, but I plan on talking with Jake Mastriani of Lockdown Brewers for a crossover for the upcoming Brewers series starting next week. And then, of course, on Monday, going to be recapping the Dodgers series. But I do want to have a little bit of a programming note just because I get my second uh, shot of the vaccine on Sunday. There's a chance that maybe I am just totally out of commission on Monday. It's not a guarantee, because after all, you know me, guys, I am mighty. But still, uh, you never know. So if that is the case, I'm sorry, there might be a slight chance that I missed the episode on Monday. We'll see. I'll try. Uh, I'll try to record it, like, on Sunday, maybe Sunday night. Uh, Maybe if the effects, I haven't felt it yet. I'll try and do it on Sunday night to have it ready for you guys on Monday. But just in case... Keep up to date on my Twitter and all that just in case anything happens. But with that all being said, guys, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast. The only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, Overcast, wherever. And if you don't mind, send me some more five-star reviews on the Apple Podcast app. And write me a review and I'll read it on the show. That's right. I'll, I'll read it on the show. And maybe if you want to put a question in there. You know, maybe you want to put your question in there. You want to plug your Twitter handle in the review. I don't care. Just send me some five-star reviews. I would greatly appreciate that, guys. Remember to follow the show or myself on Twitter. And until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies, take care. Let's go.